0: And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. That's our theme verse from Acts chapter 1 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message podcast. This week's episode is titled Witness, as our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, begins the series Church Empowerment. If you want to watch the video of this week's message or listen to this week's worship set, go to our website, brookwoodchurch.org. Or find all that and more on our Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you in your walk with Christ.
1: Today we start a new series. It's a survey of the book of Acts called Church Empowered. That's the the name that I've given the, the series. I think it's characteristic of the series. So some background information if you have your resources or you can dial it up on your phone. The longer version of the title is the Acts of the Apostles. Now, that's not what was written on the manuscript. That title was actually either given and originated by Irenaeus, one of the church fathers in the second century, or perhaps it was one that others had used and he just picked it up. We don't know some of those things. But the shorter version, obviously, is the one we use, Acts or the book of Acts. So if it's the Acts of the Apostles, which Apostles? If you read Acts, there are primarily two apostles focused on, who are they? Peter and Paul, you need to sit over here on the front. That's good, Peter and Paul. And so getting some of these things in our minds helps us clarify this book and its purpose. The author, who was the author? Luke, Luke was a physician according to Colossians 4.4. He was likely a Gentile and he certainly was a companion who traveled with Paul. Now, Acts was the second of a two-volume work. The first work was called Luke. The recipient was, who can say this name, who knows it? Yes, Theophilus. And he was likely, again, Some of this is speculation based on the internal evidence of the the writings, but he was likely a Roman official, and we don't know whether he was a Christian, a believer, that Luke was discipling or instructing, or was he an unbeliever that Luke was attempting to persuade. We're not sure of this, but both the book of Luke and the book of Acts are written particularly to him. The purpose, the primary purpose, there are many purposes, but if I just summarize it into one, was to report the expansion of Christianity, the building of the church, throughout the Roman world. Now, it's a very accurate um, report, but it's not an exhaustive one. And the book of Acts actually covers three decades, the first three decades of the church. Now, you say, well, why why would you want us to cover Acts now? Well, the church was birthed into a turbulent time. It was birthed among people from different cultures and races. There was opposition. There was unrest. And so I thought, what book relates well to the, the culture that we're in? And I think Acts does. And this is the question for us. How does God want His church and His people to function in times of diversity, opposition, and unrest? How does He want us to function in these times? My other hope is that as we have diminished in attendance and all that, although there are... many that watch online, but I I really long for the day the church returns together, but I hope we don't return like we left. My hope is that we return with some vigor, some of this Holy Spirit power that I think was sorely lacking in the American church. I think the American church has become far too acclimated to the culture. And we stopped seeing ourselves as unique as people who were aliens within a culture, not intended to fit in quite so well. Furthermore, I think that had we lived and spoken as Christians first, some of these issues that are dividing our culture now, would have been dealt with on an individual personal basis instead of what we're seeing today. The date was, and there's some debate, but I would embrace an earlier date, A.D. 62 to 64, which would mark the end of Paul's imprisonment in Acts 28, some, some say as late as 90. But I think the earlier date is more appropriate. There's a number of evidences that you already woke up. I'm not going to put you back to sleep this this early. But today's title is Witnesses. The theme verse, go ahead and open your your, um, Bibles or flip there if you're using your phone. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power, it begins, but this is the part I've lifted out. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. See, Jesus has finished his work, but his work was providing salvation. Only he could Secure redemption. But now his disciples must spread the word, must tell others what they had seen and heard so that they too could believe and be forgiven. So Jesus did the work that humans can't do. Now humans need to do the rest of the work, not that Jesus can't do, but in partnership with him, in particular, in partnership with the Spirit. And Jesus called each of us, just as he called his disciples, to be his witnesses. He introduces the passage in Acts 1, beginning at verse 1. In my first book, the book of Luke, if you've already acknowledged, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving the chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's introduced this word, apostle. Apostle. Well, how are apostles different than disciples? What do you think, Linda? You know already? <laughs> oh, I'm here to tell you that. Okay, good. <laughs> you just had the courage to answer that way. The rest of them start putting their purses in front of their faces and all. That's right. The Greek word that's translated apostle actually means messenger or ambassador who is sent to teach. In other words, as an apostle, you're dispatched with some authority. Now, during his time on earth, Jesus gathered a small group of men together. He called them disciples. But the Greek word disciples means what? What did you say? You're whispering it, aren't you? (laughs) It means learners or students. So see the difference? Jesus recruited you to learn, to be a student, but when he was leaving, now I'm commissioning you to be an ambassador, to be a teacher, to be a speaker. Following his resurrection, but before his ascension, Now think about this. Jesus, okay, he's he's been raised from the dead. He's only on earth 40 days. He's meeting with his disciples who he's gonna commission as apostles and he provides some additional instruction. Seems like a very crucial time, doesn't it? We don't know exactly what he taught. Maybe he was reviewing the most important things. Perhaps he was introducing some new concepts to these disciples, but, but it's interesting that even here it says, through the Holy Spirit. So he was relying on the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit's called both, to help prepare these disciples to become witnesses who spoke with authority as apostles. Because they were going into a lost world that he was leaving. The remainder of this passage points out what witnesses, the passage I'll deal with today at least. What witnesses like them and us need to carry out this most crucial assignment of telling good news. So here's a few things I pull from this passage. That a witness, that means you as well as them. It means me as well. A witness requires or needs proof of resurrection. Verse 3. During the 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to the apostles From time to time. Which is interesting how how much detail Luke puts in here. Which means he didn't stay with them day and night. He met with them intermittently. We don't know what all else he was doing. Perhaps praying. But And he proved to them in many ways. That he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. The apostles, see, they needed to be convinced about the truth of Jesus' teaching, about forgiveness of sin, about eternity in God's kingdom, because the message that they would preach would not be well received by many. it would arouse some fierce opposition, which surprisingly, the fiercest opposition came from other religious leaders. Isn't that surprising to you? And it would cost some of them their very lives. So if you're going to suffer injury, if you're going to risk your life, don't you know that you must know beyond a doubt that you are telling a vital truth? So they needed to know that, that Jesus had, had been raised from the dead as he said he would because it would be, be foolish to waste your life, to suffer, even to die, by, because you're just Embracing wise teaching from a dead philosopher. It's not worth that. It might be entertaining, might be interesting. You can read Plato, you can read Socrates, but it's not worth dying for, is it? It's not worth suffering for. So for 40 days, Jesus proved he was alive. Remember how he pass through a closed and likely locked door into the presence of the disciples. See, that's confirmation that what I'm saying is true. That's John 20, verse 19. He showed them his crucifixion wounds. He told Philip, go ahead and stick your hand into my side. Look at these indentions in my wrist. Press your fingers into them. Wouldn't you have hated to have been Philip at that moment? Would you have put your hand into his side? I don't know. I don't know that I would have. Luke 24, 39. He ate and drank with them. Why is that proof? What? Because ghosts don't eat. Because they, they knew he was there, but, but they, and before they had thought he was a vision or a spirit or a ghost. And so, but ghosts don't eat and drink. Luke 24, verse 41. And he appeared to Peter and James, the other disciples. He appeared to more than 500. And then later on, he appeared to Paul. And Paul says, like one who was born at an odd time. Because he was born later, born again later. He encountered Christ later than the others did. 1 Corinthians 15. And the result was that these apostles became convinced that Jesus had been resurrected to life. And that resurrection confirmed all that he had taught them. All all that he told them about God, about his relationship with God, about a possible future in heaven. He said he would prepare a place for them, that they would live forever in, in the presence of God and of Christ. And it was this truth that gave them the boldness to preach the gospel and even the willingness to suffer for it. Now, I want you to think about that a moment. See, the resurrection is crucial to our faith. You know, like you, I'm disturbed about how public displays of faith are opposed, whether it be prayer in schools, um, prayer at football games, Nativity scenes on courthouse steps and all that. I'm concerned about that, but but I'm not sure that some of those things may have caused us to lose our edge. It may have caused us to realize that there was a supernatural battle going on, and we'd been recruited as soldiers. I'm not advocating violence, but I'm advocating courage and vigilance. The resurrection is crucial. Look at this passage from Acts, 1 Corinthians 15. There you go. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life. We are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. You see what he's saying? If if our church is no more than a social organization that does good works and there's no gospel, there's no resurrection, you might as well be a Kiwanis. Because what we believe is altogether beyond doing good works. We do good works for an opportunity to share this good news. Good works are important, but they're not the end of the importance. You understand? It is the resurrection that proves that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. See, if Jesus had died, he could have said, now my death will be for all of you. But who, how would you know? How would you know? It was only the resurrection that proves that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for all of us. Now, as you think about that, you say, that's hard to believe. Is that hard to believe, Randy? Now, I don't mean because you've been a Christian a lot of days. I'm saying as a history teacher, would it be hard to believe? It'd be very hard to believe. But see, that's what faith is. What I'm trying to get us to do is let's renew understanding. We grow up in in a country full of church buildings. Full of prayers in school. Full of all these things. But but have you ever really owned it? Are you convicted for yourself? That's why this virus and losing some of the outside props, I think is okay. If we come back reaffirmed with what we truly believe. And that we're willing to live our lives based on it. So it was the resurrection that said, "Yes, indeed, His death is sufficient for my sins." That's hard to believe, isn't it? If you, if you step back from it, how many of us ever had anybody willing to sacrifice hardly anything for us, especially their life? Romans 4:25. So what do you believe today that you are willing to suffer, even die for? What? There may be more than one thing, but there shouldn't be less than one thing. And is the resurrection of Jesus one of those beliefs? One of those principles. A witness also requires power from the Spirit. Verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, 10 in fact, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Y'all liked how I pronounced that word water, didn't you? I've been with my grandsons for a couple of days. Their parents fled the state. So Leah and I have had them and um, I got a little enunciation instruction from the three-year-old. Water. Can you say that, Linda? Water. And also, it's not Spartanburg. It's Spartanburg. I have that on three-year-old authority. But look here what's happening. Look at this closely. You will be baptized, that's passive voice, with the Holy Spirit by God. I think sometimes we take far too much credit for what goes on spiritually in our lives. These disciples, they remembered Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They were there for Uh, the last supper, the Passover meal. We call it the Lord's Supper, the night he was arrested. And Jesus referred to the Spirit in a Greek word. Some of y'all may know this Greek word. You know it? Yeah, paraclete, or in Greek, Parakletos, But yeah, English transliteration is paraclete. And it means one who comes alongside. And he comes alongside, this is translated a lot of different ways. Different translations call him an advocate, a comforter, a counselor, an encourager, an intercessor. And all of those are fit descriptions of the Holy Spirit. But how many of us experience all those functions from the Spirit? He told them the Spirit would never leave them, John 14, 16. He said the Spirit would teach them. The Spirit would remind them what Jesus had already taught them. I mean, wouldn't you go, oh, good. Fourteen twenty-six, And that the Spirit would even speak through them when they couldn't come up with the right words. Matthew chapter 10. I don't know where that child is, but wherever you are, do not worry. I... I love having that child in here, okay? I hear him talking or her talking. I've been listening to one talk to me all weekend. Two of them talking to me all weekend. It's amazing how a one-year-old can think he knows more than you do. Have you noticed? Much less a three-year-old. They had undoubtedly experienced the spirit when they came to faith. Is that a new idea for you? See, no one is born again except by the Spirit. That includes Moses, it includes David, it includes Abraham. Being born again has to be by the Spirit. Life gives birth to life. Life produces life. So they had experienced the Spirit at some level when they first came to faith, but now they would experience the spirit in a more full way and permanently and with some new specific ways. You think they understood this? Where's my teacher over here? Do you think they understood it? No. Do you understand it? Not fully, not fully. I'll give him credit for not fully. (laughs) But you know what? There was something else on their mind. The whole time Jesus was talking to them, they had something else on their minds. Look at this next verse. So when the apostles were with Jesus... They kept asking him, Lord, is it time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So what did they really want? They wanted an earthly kingdom. They wanted the Romans kicked out. They wanted the Jews to be restored to their freedom and glory. And they wanted all of them to become leaders in that new kingdom. So sometimes they didn't hear what Jesus was saying. You know why? Because what they wanted was filling up their heads. Has that ever happened to you? You didn't hear what Jesus was saying because you were saying too much. Are we so consumed with our own wishes, wants, and ambitions in this world so preoccupied with our preferences that we're not really hearing and we might not be asking what it is that God wants and what is he calling us to do. Unfortunately, I think many of us have been taught that God is our servant instead of we are his servants. And that he lives to deliver what we want rather than we live to serve what he wants. Is that fair? We've been invited into the kingdom of God. We haven't been invited to live however we want with eternity as a bonus. The bonus is you've been brought into the kingdom of God. But in so doing, you lost control of your life. Did you know that? So I wonder why we're always debating. Well, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. You need to do this for me. And how much do we say, what shall I do for you? What's on your heart, God? You ever ask God that? What's on your heart? Acts 1, 7, Jesus replied to them, no, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. All right. Now y'all give me a translation. What was he saying? Come on, Chris, what was he saying? You're not going to know, but you're being nice. It's none of your business. That's closer. That's close that's closer to it, isn't it? That's closer to it. I don't think he would say shut up. But but would you guys just shut up? You're so full of yourself and what you want and you don't have in mind what I want. I wonder if that applies to any of us today. In other words, put more nicely. I I wasn't saying Jesus would use those words. Don't be so consumed with what God will do in the future. Be more concerned with what I've told you to do in the present. Does Does that relate to anybody? Let me say, no, let me say this. Do you know anybody that that might relate to? Let me see some hands. If you know somebody that that might be an appropriate question for. And then he goes, says again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now see how this conversation went. All of you, all of us that have raised children and grandchildren know this. But, but pop, pop, I want this. No, no. But you eat your supper. But Pop Pop, can we go down to the creek? But you eat your supper. You see how we're always saying, but God, I want this. Uh-uh. But you have a calling on your life. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. He's always bringing us back, isn't he? And this miraculous power, the Greek is dunamis. And that is the, the Greek word dunamis is the basis on which Nobel named his explosive invention, dynamite. And this miraculous power includes the ability and the strength to accomplish what God has called them and us to attempt. See, we're not responsible for the result. Did you know that? We're responsible for the effort. Have you experienced power from the Spirit? Now, I want y'all to think about this. I want, you to, I want you to show me some sincere hands if you believe you have experienced this kind of power from the Holy Spirit at some time. Let me see some hands. Because this, listen, this is, hold them up for a minute, because I want you to understand this is vital. And if you haven't, or you're confused by this, let's let's keep digging in. Thank you. Let's keep digging in, you see. But we have to to stop and say, okay, does this apply to me? And when you receive that power, as many of you said you did, for what purpose? For what purpose? Because see, there's a calling connected to the power. And what resulted? What resulted? A witness requires a purpose to pursue. Continue in verse 8. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, which is where they started. You can see Jerusalem kind of in the lower part. Right above the A in Judea. Then Judea is the region. But also in Samaria. Samaria is the middle region of the state of Israel. Galilee is the upper region. And and really they say the Galilee. And they're they're referring to the lake. But also the region. And so you'll start in this city. You'll move out into this state. You'll move into the adjoining regions. And then you'll go to the ends of the earth. And see, this is the first century Roman rule. And what we'll see in Acts is that much of this area was visited and the gospel spread throughout much of that area. And this is the Great Commission. It also appears in Matthew 28. That's where we're most familiar with it, 19 and 20. But a witness is simply someone who tells what they know. A witness is someone who tells what they knew. What they've seen. What they've heard. You know, when I was practicing law and it wasn't that long, but I tried and tried some cases. I remember meeting with witnesses. And I remember uh, I was defending a hotel in a drowning case, one of the last things I was engaged in, and I asked the witnesses to describe and the witness this one witness stopped and she said what do you want me to say I said well I want you to say what you know I know but what what do you what do you want me to say I said well it doesn't even matter what I want you to say what matters is what you saw what you heard what you felt and so when Christ calls us to be witnesses he's saying You tell what you know, not what you heard, not even what you read, what you know. Because a witness for Jesus tells about him from what that person, man or woman, has experienced personally. Now, you may have some theological information to pass along, but boy, what's most powerful is what you know. Because you know what? What you've experienced, no one can dispute. No one can dispute what you know. We can argue about manuscripts and texts and what did it mean in the Greek and the Hebrew all day long, but you know what? No one can dispute what you know, what you felt, what changes have happened in you. You are the authority on you. And I believe, which when I say I believe, what's that mean, Linda? It's just what I believe, they don't have to believe it, right? I think that us being witnesses is the primary purpose for placing the Holy Spirit within us permanently. So a lot of times we can be so self-centered, we think the Spirit is there to keep us comfortable, all the rest of that. But notice the Spirit was given in connection with a calling. You believe that? And Jesus calls all believers to be His witnesses in this world. It's our our responsibility. It's also our wonderful privilege because we are entrusted with inviting people to be forgiven. We, We have... Information to convey that will enable people to enter God's kingdom. We can't open the door. We explain what we know. And the spirit opens the door and regenerates. Now, let me say this. Don't raise your hands. But how many of you really don't want to be witnesses? Don't raise your hands. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't really want to be a witness. I don't really want to be bothered. Well, let me say this. We don't really get to choose whether we will be witnesses. You see, we are witnesses, but the question is how effective are we? Because you're a witness for anyone who has any idea you're a believer and they're watching. And are we willing to suffer, whether it be physical pain and abuse, as many have throughout the world, or just rejection to pursue this calling? You know, in the early centuries, so many Christians were put to death because of their testimony for Jesus. And they were typically given an opportunity to deny their faith, to recant was often the word. And the Greek word witness is a, um, is a Greek word martus, translated witness. And so the, the word for witness came to mean martyrs, the same word, one who dies for their faith. And many people were drawn to faith in Christ by observing how Christians met their deaths Calmly, even with a sense of joy, because they were filled with the Spirit's power. Many sang as they faced death. Tertullian, second century theologian, and this is a debated um, translation, but essentially it it meant the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. I wonder if our willingness to live with conviction, to confront, not to be nasty, to be ugly, but to confront situations, I wonder if more would come to faith when they saw we were a people who really did have principles and we lived by them, even if it cost us something. Have you ever told anyone about your experience with Jesus? See, I'm not even going to ask, did they repent and be saved? See, that's not your doing. Yours is to be a witness. Your responsibility is to tell. Well, how about this? Will you ask God to reveal someone to you that you can tell what you've witnessed? How many of you will ask God to give you someone to tell? I want to see hands on this one. Hold them up. You will ask God to give you someone to tell what you've witnessed. All right. Today, right now, ask him, show you. And some of you, even now, are having images of people, aren't you? A witness requires the promise of return. Before returning to heaven, Jesus left the apostles with a final dramatic experience that provided Another powerful motivation for carrying on his work. And it starts in verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. Another proof that he was not a mere human. After saying that, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men. Who were these men? Angels, suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. He left from Bethany, which is the backside of the Mount of Olives. Zechariah fourteen four says that the Messiah will return. To stand on the Mount of Olives. We don't know when Jesus will return. But we know he will. So we must live in anticipation that it could be today. And that we're serving God Christ faithfully. We're using our opportunities. I've told y'all numerous times about a friend of mine that passed away several years ago. Um, Gary Levi, and he would sign a note. That was before email and all that, you know. <laughs> we used hammers and chisels. But um, he, he, he would leave a note and his, he would sign off saying, maybe today. He called me P. He'd say, P, maybe today. Sometimes that would be all the note said, maybe today. How different would we be if we lived with that understanding? Maybe today. Maybe today today. Being witnesses for Jesus is a wonderful privilege, but it's a great responsibility. But we can trust that the Holy Spirit will provide us everything that we need to fulfill Christ's call on our lives, to tell others what we've heard, what we've seen, what we've experienced. Now, let me urge you, please Please walk with me in this series because I really do hope that when we all come together, we have an energy and a power in our church that we've never seen. So, but we need to walk together and learn every week in the discussion guide and in the family talk, which is on the website on resources. We're going to offer you spiritual practices, not for just this lesson, but to build into your lives. And today's spiritual practice, which is at the bottom of the resources, is to Name at least one way that the Spirit of Christ has worked in your life. And then also the one I said earlier, ask God to reveal someone you can share this with. There's also a memory verse. So will y'all do it? Will y'all walk with me in this series? Let's take some steps. Let's come back as a different church when we all return. Father, I pray that you would use us. Lord, that you would strengthen us, that whatever's lacking in us, that you would reveal it and then you would fill it. God, may we live more led by the Spirit than by our own ambitions. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's your soul training. How do you determine God's will? Describe a time when you did and what it resulted. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so you experience a transformed life. One of the ways you can do that is getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us, connections at brookwood.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get connected with our connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on the Brookwood app. Thank you for listening and have a great week.